Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby, Jeff DeForest, and one Mike Luby Lubitz here on the Believe Network. And uh, wow, you can hear the theme in your head. Ba -ba 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 -ba. As the championship was concluded last night, I managed to manage to salvage a little bit of my dignity as uh, North Carolina did cover the spread, although they blew a, a double-digit halftime lead. Uh, now. Uh, the gentleman that was all over the tournament, and, and uh, th this was great, and, and I thought it was fantastic. It, it always delivers, as the uh, cliche goes, and uh, just a wonderful job. It's hard to get your name mentioned in a positive light in the New York Post. Uh, just ask Hunter <laughs> Biden. But um, th this this became uh, evident, I mean, just crystal clear that everybody loves Ian Eagle and the job that he does announcing games. And, and uh, this covered a wide variety of post analysts and, and critics and writers, including Mike Vaccaro, who suggested that Ian Eagle should be, a, I mean, assigned to every game that, that CBS does or uh, TBS or TNT. And uh, even Phil Mushnick loves you, Ian Eagle. Welcome to the show. Uh, how are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm after hours. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, yeah. I thought it was. It was Defoe and Luby after dark, but that's a completely different show. <laughs> you don't show. want that. No, you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, someday strangely, it's going to go dark. I mean, not for you, but for us, yeah. it's coming. That day is coming quickly. Strangely, I was into it. I, I need to maybe really <laughs> oh, no. reassess my own stuff going on. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yes. Uh, right now, I mean, uh, we, we know Jim Nance has been hearing footsteps forever. Yep. And we were assuming there was a little bit of conspiracy. Obviously, you can't necessarily weigh in on this, but, uh, you know, the implications are there that uh, he says, hey, hey, listen, I, I, I hear I am coming. They're offering big money for every play by play guy in the NFL. I don't want to lose my number one spot here while I'm in negotiations and uh, we're doing basketball. So uh, I'm going to have the big marquee game. Uh, with, uh, you know, my team. And uh, why don't you put Eagle on Kentucky versus St. Peter's? Ha! That'll draw an audience. <laughs> and, and, and then all of a sudden, because you are Iron Eagle, you end up on the Cinderella ride, man, and the uh, clock didn't strike 12 until we got to the Elite Eight. You're a funny person. That's, uh, that's the first thing that should be established. <laughs> that much, that much, we do know after uh, after having these conversations for many, many years. Secondly, that was to me the reminder of what the tournament is supposed to be all about. Yep. You you get this you get this bracket on Selection Sunday, and there are certain teams that you just plow through, and you don't even think twice about. And for most of the country. I don't think they knew where St. Peter's was, let alone what their mascot is or what conference they play in or who their coach was. All of this was basically a mystery. And then the tournament actually begins and the game has to be played. And Kentucky St. Peter's is that dream scenario as an NCAA tournament fan where you see a team that A, is not intimidated, B, believes in themselves, and then there's a little bit of that pixie dust that, that gets into the equation where St. Peter's just had momentum throughout the game. You never felt they were out of it. 
But even with that said, guys, you get into overtime, you, you just presume at that point, all right, the, the McDonald's All-Americans are going to take over. The Blue Blood is going to find a way to win. And St. Peter's will be this nice footnote that will remember it happens a lot, but it doesn't really stick with you because they didn't win the game. They gave Kentucky a battle, but they didn't win. Well, this ending was different. They won the game, and then they just kept on winning. It, it really was a magical story. Oh, great stuff. And uh, when you're not doing that game with Jim Spinarkle, who also draws very high praise from uh, perhaps, I mean, the toughest of critics, and that would be uh, the aforementioned Phil Mushnick. <laughs> Is that a question? You want me to, want me to sort of, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Mushnick, everybody loves Spinarkle, I mean, and, and for good reason. He, he's the real deal when it comes to analysis. Yeah, uh, that was that was the actual original CBS sitcom. And then they just decided, no, we're scrapping Spinarco. We'll get Ray Romano and we'll just go with everybody loves Raymond. But there was talk of the everybody loves Spinarco, uh, you know, classic 30 minute sitcom that just never got off the ground. It would be appropriate. No doubt about it. All right. Now, at what point, I don't know. I mean, you're in like the pregame production meeting. Are you yawning at the suggestion that St. Peter's has a chance? And, uh, you know, I know it's part of the magic, but you're not expecting them to knock off Kentucky and then win a subsequent game in the next round against another heavyweight. No. Uh, at what point do you realize that this whole Cinderella thing, uh, you know, might be for real though when you're calling a game? Yeah, having done this tournament for all these years and having done it with Jim for all these years, we have uh, a pretty good understanding of one another how to prepare uh, how we attack these games and more often than not the 15-2 game the 14-3 game the 1-16 game those are games where you've got to have some other stuff because it gets to 20 it balloons and now what are you left with are you just calling who's got the ball and uh, what their field goal percentage is or can you go a little deeper can you tell the story of that team that got to that place that won their conference tournament and dealt with the pressure because it's a one team conference that gets into the NCAA tournament. It's not multiple teams like we see in, in the bigger conferences. So you prepare for that. And that was absolutely our conversation in the production <laughs> meeting. Remember, you're, you're preparing for all four games. So uh, you're trying to, to figure out the best way to handle the day and manage the day. And there's no doubt that uh, Kentucky-St. Peter's, the, the crux of our conversation was, okay, how can we do right by St. Peter's, tell their story? We're probably going to lose by 25. And it just never happened. We just had a game from the opening tip. We got to the first commercial break and looked at one another and, and basically uh, intimated that, oh, man, we're, we're already ahead of the curve here. Like they're, they're still in it. Then you get to the next commercial break. You're like, huh, they – aren't backing down then you get to the third one and you get to halftime and you move on to the second half and there are these stages of an upset that that we've seen the anatomy of it in the ncaa tournament you go from okay they're hanging around to wow they're really competitive and then the third one is oh my gosh they can win the game they have a chance to win and and that's exactly how it went down in indianapolis Talking with the one and only Ian Eagle, CBS Sports, TNT, 
TBS, the voice of the Brooklyn Nets, NFL football as well with CBS, and college basketball as well, as you just heard him all over the NCAA tournament. You just said it, and I've always been curious because in the past I've exchanged texts with you while you're doing games, and I'm just, me sitting on my couch, I get exhausted watching 12 hours. How the heck do you guys do four back-to-back-to-back-to-back games And at the end of the day, you sound just as energetic as the beginning. Like, you and Jim have done this a long time together, and there was no, I watched pretty much all of your games, especially that first day, and you guys, you didn't skip a beat. Like, how is it doing that much games back-to-back-to-back-to-back, and you don't miss anything? Yeah, I I definitely figured some stuff out through the years. Uh, It was overwhelming. The first year I did it was 1998. I had no idea how to prepare I was in Sacramento. I flew, had to connect. I was grabbing all of the media guys. I was walking through the airport <laughs> with with eight large books. And, you know, you have gate agents saying, you can't bring those on. I was like, no, 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 I'm doing the NCAA tournament. Like, no, no. Pick three of the eight that you want. I'm like, no, don't. Don't me do that. So uh, with, with each year that passed, uh, I streamlined, I, I figured out, stuff that was necessary and then more than anything else uh, you do have to maintain your energy and that requires a different level of approach where you're in the second half of game three nobody that's watching that game is thinking about other than Luby who's on his couch with uh, Cheetos and light beer (laughs) thinking about well wait, this is their third game and it's the second half. No, it's its own entity. And that's that was really the breakthrough for me when I started doing this. I looked at the big picture of it, eight teams. How am I going to learn eight teams? And then I started breaking it down into individual matchups and it made it more digestible. And I, I had a better understanding of, okay, I, I put this matchup away. I literally have four folders that, I have every single year that I fill up with information. And then the goal is to somehow get that information into your head and compartmentalize the information. And then, as we discussed, uh, you, you got to bring the juice. Uh, the juice is, better be a part of it because the fans of that third game or fourth game are focused on their game. They don't care about the energy that you expended in the first game or the second game. But if you're asking me the day off in between, I realize probably year three, four, five, whatever it was in doing this. I've been doing it 24 years. I'm just toast. I'm <laughs> mentally and say, physically <laughs> shot. Yes, I'm completely shot. I like walk the streets of, what, of whatever city that I'm in in a daze looking for a cheeseburger. <laughs> That's the basic premise. And you walk in and order and go, Jones for three. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Sir, we just asked Eagle. you if you wanted yeah. lettuce. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't calling, ask you. He said calling. Yeah, you're order. still calling the action, sir. Yeah. <laughs> sir, this is a place of business. <laughs> You get a little punch drunk, uh, like you were Jerry Quarry oh in this uh, latter years. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, now, now uh, were you tempted at all? And, and it's not like Chris Schenkel doing three games of bowling on, uh, you know, the PBA tour <laughs> back in the day on ABC. I mean, it takes a lot of energy to call these basketball games, and they're often decided in the final seconds, and you have to pour a lot of excitement into it. Were, were you tempted at all to uh, go ahead and, and give us a mention uh, within Defo? On St. Peter's, did oh, it occur yeah. to you at any point? I was point, waiting the whole game. Like, and what about on. my friend Depot down there in 
Florida, he's probably watching the game with money on it on the wrong team. No, what? In all seriousness, what ends up happening, because, you know, think about it. You've got, let's say, based on the rotation, nine to ten kids per team. Yep. But you want to make sure that you know the names of the walk-ons if they get in the yeah. game. You want to get it right. You don't want to butcher their name. They get that one shot. Yeah. Their family's watching. They're in for 11 seconds, and you butcher their name. That's it. That's forever. That lasts forever. So you do lock in on – all the players' names, but you're still talking about 80 players you need to know for the first round. Jeez. And when it is similar to somebody you know or something you know, you really have to concentrate. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I started preparing, because you see the name at first, you're like, okay, well, how do you say that? And it's, oh, Nadefo, Nadefo, Nadefo. And Defo was popping into my head. <laughs> and I kept saying, myself, don't call him. Nadifo. I was waiting for Do it. Not go. I know. You and Lubin would have been so excited. Oh, my God. And then anyone connected to St. Peter would say, this guy is a moron. <laughs> who, who the hell is Nadifo? So, yes. Who's Stifo he's talking your about? Question, yeah, exactly. I, was, uh, I, I, I yeah, thought I maybe there would be a little bit of a you know, uh, dangerous line there. Uh, Iron Eagle, of course, uh, you know, I mean, uh, world-renowned. Uh, for all of his uh, announcing that he does, and uh, so versatile. Uh, great job there on the uh, tournament uh, as well. Uh, and, and we thought this, I have to work this in. It's kind of a cheap thing to work in here, uh, Ian. I, I know you can appreciate it, though. But uh, people gave St. Peter's, uh, Peter's less chance of winning uh, in that opening game against Kentucky than uh, uh, Noriega would have had of winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Wait, would you say that? Ah, <laughs> there it is. Good for you. Ding, you did it. You did ding, it. Ding, yeah, there you go. It's, it's the bell ring. We had to work in some uh, you know, evil dictator. There's, yeah, there's someone <laughs> monitoring somewhere. How, how long did it take Nadefo to mention the dictator? <laughs> All right, now, now the other storyline, I mean, there were, yeah, go ahead. 13 minutes, exactly. That's how long it took. Oh, yeah, really? We're that deep into it. Oh, okay. Or, 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 or do you have another commitment uh, coming up here? <laughs> no, he's just tracking. A lot of guys do that with us. They go, hey, you know, I've been on for 10 minutes already. Uh, when are you going to end this thing? <laughs> but we have a lot of time to fill. This is uh, Believe Network here, and uh, they, they don't want any less than, you know, like 15. Uh, Ian Eagle uh, with us here uh, on After Hours with Tifo and Luby. Uh, the um, Cinderella story in Miami wrote was great. Uh, you know, that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we were happy to see Jim Laranega, one of our favorites on the program, uh, get the uh, recognition yep. that uh, he had coming for doing a great job. And, and, and it was weird. Now, now, how strange is it to allude to somebody like in Blutarski terminology where it's a seven-year senior that has taken the floor? Yeah, that, that was a little unique. And what's really interesting, guys, every school had a different approach on how they wanted to handle the classification of what yeah. year they're in or how many years they have remaining of eligibility. So from school to school, I would I would be doing the notes. And again, you're in frantic mode at this point. You're just trying to yeah. jot down, make sure you've got the right information, move on to the next school so that you're prepared. And um. I'm writing it down for a couple of the kids and, and then you fly into your city and now you see them in practice. And I look up and I said, wow, I got this guy as a sophomore. This guy looks like he's got a mortgage. <laughs> like, there's no possible way. He owns a bar. Exactly. In Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I asked the SID. I was like, uh, so is this guy a sophomore? He's like, well, not technically. Uh, and he now gives me the whole story. And I said, well, what section are his grandkids 
Where are they sitting today? Because I'd love to mention them. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little odd. You're right. I thought Michael was going to run out on the floor last night. Late in the game Jordan. When, uh, they were like four for 18. <laughs> in the second half, uh, you know, he only played through, uh, what, his sophomore year. He probably had some eligibility left under the new uh, parameters and guidelines. Uh, the Coach K story, uh, what were your thoughts on that? I, I'm sure you're an admirer of Coach K. Everybody admires his accomplishments. Uh, what we thought, and, and I actually had a prop bet. I was in Atlantic City where they now, and we discussed this, now you can make up your own prop bet. You know, however absurd it is, they'll let you lay money on it. And we saw Bill Self taking that hairpiece off and firing it in Jim Nance's face after a bad call against Kansas, lost the game for him as they put Duke on the stripe with a half a second to go on a ridiculous phantom call, and Coach K winning it all. And that would have been a story I guess a lot of people were rooting for. And it didn't happen because North Carolina, again, uh, turned out to be a nemesis uh, as they leveled the record lifetime against Coach K, 50 and 50, uh, with that upset uh, in in the uh, semifinal game. Uh, but uh, what, what was your th- what were your thoughts on the Coach K story and that whole storyline? And then it came to an abrupt end just when everybody was jumping on the bandwagon that okay, it's natural Duke was going to win it all. Yeah, I mean, first I think there's a pretty good chance that that you did heavy drugs at Syracuse and there's a, there's a possibility as opposed you to you who were dedicated from, to the craft uh, you know and then look at the difference I was I was so yeah. so dedicated <laughs> I was so locked in on on doing this for a career yeah the the coach K storyline clearly going into the tournament we knew how big it would be uh, the fact that they got tested a bit prior to the final four got there set up this dream matchup with North Carolina everything seemed to be lined up in the stars but the problem that actually occurred for duke is that north carolina knew them had beaten them the muscle memory was there and i really believe that when they got down to the heart of the game in the last two minutes north carolina had the belief and they had done it before they had done it in shocking circumstances at cameron and they were not the least bit intimidated by the idea of doing it again and they just felt that they had their number which it turned out that they did great run for duke uh this team was very talented Uh, i thought they could easily win a national championship it never really all came together there were moments and flashes of how good they could be but uh, i think the the ending was fairly congruent with what we saw throughout the season that this is this is who they were. North Carolina had a little of that carpet ride going, and, yep. uh, you know, it was the wrong matchup for Duke, ultimately. It, it really was. I, I think Duke would have been better off playing Villanova, obviously, and Duke-Kansas could have been a heck of a, heck of a battle, but Duke-North Carolina turned out to be their cripple. All right, one last thing, and uh, always a pleasure to have Ian Eagle on any platform that we have, uh, and uh, here on Believe Podcast uh, and the Believe Network. Uh, but but we have an occurrence, uh, and this is uh, transitioning to the NFL, uh, happening in here in town, and we're not sure what to make of it, Ian Eagle. Where after 20 years of complete ineptitude, of uh, being uh, you know uh, symbolized by uh, the, the moves that were being made by a Mike Tannenbaum, the Miami Dolphins, uh, instead of operating uh, from a position of total futility, uh, are all of a sudden making moves that uh, seem to just absolutely smack uh, purpose and intelligence 
and have now assembled mm-hmm. a team around Tua that, that you're thinking, well, you know, as a lot of people are saying, well, well, if this doesn't work, then nothing will with this kid. Because uh, they, they really have uh, just dynamic elements uh, on offense, improved their offensive line, got Tyreek Hill. Uh, they already had Jalen Waddell. Uh, you know, and, and every move they make seems to be being applauded. So, uh, A, has anybody seen or heard from Chris Greer? Uh, or should we file a missing persons report? And, and if he is around... <laughs> And he's making these decisions. What happened? I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the psychedelic drugs that I was doing at Syracuse uh, in the early uh, 70s. But um, how all of a sudden did this thing completely change from, from uh, you know, all out ineptitude to uh, all of a sudden everything they're doing seems to be making sense. So uh, do you make anything of that, Ian Eagle, as an NFL observer? Uh, what I make of it is uh, this sport is cyclical and there are moments that take place from an organizational point of view that you decide, hey, we're all in. And that clearly took place. Whatever bad PR uh, has taken place with the Dolphins over the last year and change and beyond that, but specifically the last year, I think they're trying to reverse field here and get the fan base excited and show the rest of the league that they're serious. They've got a quarterback in Tua that is not highly paid by today's NFL standards based on his rookie contract. So you have maneuverability. That's why they, they take on the, the possibility of having one of the best playmakers in the league and hopefully, for their sake, putting Hill in a position to succeed. And with Tua, you know, this is it. There's no, there's no next year or year after that. It has to happen now. If it happens now, he could have a, a career with the Miami Dolphins. If it doesn't, then Miami's going to be in the same boat as a bunch of other teams trying to figure out what the missing piece is. And if an aging quarterback can come in and solve their problems for, for a short-term solution. But they've done everything in their power to address the needs. Last year, you saw it. You guys experienced it. Uh, this team needed a lot of help. The offensive line was in shambles. Uh, clearly, behind the scenes, there there seemed to be more uh, stuff and drama there that had not come to the forefront. And they've they've addressed it. Now, look with with Hill, you're also getting someone who is a free spirit, and you got to have the right people in place to make sure the checks and balances are working. That no one's going to question his drive to be great and his uh, absolute sheer talent. What will be questioned is, you know, whether or not he can be a leader in this locker room and be someone that the young players learn from and use as an example and, and stay on the straight and narrow down in Miami and South beach with uh, all the possibilities there. So uh, there's still going to be questions regarding this team, but boy, they've, They've certainly addressed what their needs were, and they've got a chance on paper to now be uh, one of those teams that you keep an eye on for 2022. And, and McDaniel, a little bit of an oddball. He's like quoting Khalil Gibran and, uh, you know, <laughs> reading a book by Nietzsche, and you're like, oh, wow, I mean, you guys are something. Uh, yeah. You know, a little bit of a different cat than, than the usual, uh, you know, hardcore uh, militaristic uh, coach that uh, you normally associate with. Uh, an NFL franchise. Ian, always a pleasure. Brilliant work. Ian, man. I mean, uh, the ultimate testament to your greatness is that Mushnick loves you, and, and that is <laughs> not an easy like thing anyone. to bring about. <laughs> I, 
He hates uh, yeah, everybody. Yeah, that could turn I mean, in a hurry. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, Vince Scully doesn't even get a free pass from this guy. So, <laughs> hey, let's, so it's let's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we, we love you. Thanks for being I'm with not, us. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to wallpaper my, my bathroom with, with the New York Post just yet. Like, that can easily turn tomorrow. <laughs> let's recognize that uh, this is not long. set in stone. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're they could always turn on you. That, that's for sure. All right. Thanks uh, so we much, uh, and Always a pleasure, my friend. Guys, love you guys. Great talking to you. Always. Talk to you great one. Brilliant stuff, man, from Iron Eagle. Un- unbelievable. And after hours uh, with Defoe and Luby. So um, I-, I don't know that we can uh, really embellish anything there. It speaks for itself. Iron Eagle is greatness. And, uh, wow, I-, I do believe, though, that Nance had something to do with the assignment. Kentucky versus St. Peter's, Luby. <laughs> You're thinking, why we even have, broadcast that game? We had four games. That should wasn't have been uh, <laughs> on C-SPAN or whatever, you know, the most obscure of CBS networks would have been. And uh, sure enough, there's Ian Eagle and Jim Spinarkle assigned to the game. Uh, always a pleasure being with you guys. Uh, thanks, Luby. Nice job uh, getting Ian Eagle uh, here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. You can catch uh, a lot of our stuff on Ion Channel. Just Google The Defoe Show. That's D-E-F-O. And uh, always a lot of fun being with you guys. Uh, and uh, we do that from 7 to 9 live every morning. Uh, Google The Defoe Show and uh, you can catch it. And it's a lot of fun, video and audio streaming. Always a pleasure being uh, with you here on Believe Network. And uh, always a lot of fun. We'll have to find our next degenerate activity, Luby. Yes. What are we going to be betting on? The draft? Oh, Masters. I, I don't know. Oh, the Masters. Someone from Believe actually oh, the Masters. Just asked I got me the about pool. getting a Masters yeah. pool. I have the pool, and uh, we'll be talking about that. And, and uh, I, I do believe that Tiger Woods is going to soak up a ton of sucker money. Yep, yep. And I, I do believe that he's going to play. I, I, I don't have any, you know, a great connection to the golf world where I can say that with any level of certainty. But all indications seem to be, including Freddie Couples, great Freddie Couples, saying Tiger just uh, killed it yesterday in a practice round at Augusta National. Played nine Good. holes, 35,000 people showed up to witness this. Nice. And uh, I don't know what kind of crowd do they get on, on a normal day of the tournament. Do, do they Not have uh, the ability to handle more than 35,000 to no, show? I mean, they show up to watch Tiger Woods like like hit some putting <laughs> shots, uh, you know, some, the putter <laughs> on the, the green. Range. He's hitting the range. <laughs> oh, my God. He's, I mean, the range would, would be fun, but uh, he's actually playing a course there. They're following him around. He plays nine holes, apparently shot lights out there. And uh, the only issue is uh, from the old Casey Martin thing. Is he going to be able to handle the course uh, from a walking standpoint? But that's great. From a gambling standpoint, that's amazing because it should shoot up the odds for the people that actually will win. He's 50 to 1, uh, Tiger Woods. So you you, you don't think down. some people are going to take a flyer at It'll 50 to 1? Now, you don't have to bet a lot at 50 to 1 to make a fortune uh, on Tiger Woods, but the odds of him winning that tournament, I would think, would be even more substantial than that, no? More like 1,000 to 1? Yeah, I mean, he's not winning. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he hasn't played a tournament at all in two years. They're jumping for throw over money, nine holes. Right. I think it's great, though, for people who want to actually win and not just play around. Again, like you said, it'll drive up the price. I think that's great. Yeah, he had to be a considerable uh, long shot when he won the thing, uh, what, just a few years ago. Yep. He was a winner at the Masters. But uh, since then, I mean, you know, and and, uh, as we were talking about on our Ion Channel show yesterday, uh, Luby, I mean, uh, the three most indestructible things uh, in the history of mankind are the cockroach, Ben Roethlisberger, and now you have to throw Tiger Woods in there. Yes. Where a guy can uh, literally roll a car off the Pacific Palisades into the ocean there, and uh, next thing you know, I mean, he's unconscious on top of a couple of sea lions, but with a a car that looks like uh, nobody could have survived uh, the accident, and uh, now he's going to play the Masters and probably win. 
What yeah, a story. <laughs> I don't know about the last part, but yeah, the story's insane. I also think it's great. Hopefully it gets one. out there. That's wonderful. All right. Uh, we're going to be sending it in on the Masters, and we'll talk yes. some more about that, no doubt, tomorrow here on our uh, After Hours program with Defoe and Luby. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitz. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Our, our, our sincere thanks to Ian Eagle. He's always yes, brilliant on anything that we do, and uh, it really doesn't take much for me to uh, conduct the conversation because uh, Ian is his own uh, entertainment product right there. How, how this guy isn't in, like, sports talk radio or doing uh, podcasts, is beyond, well, I he guess he doesn't need to. the money anymore. Yeah, no, he doesn't want to. Now. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Play by he play doesn't guys, need yeah. to. He does literally the NBA. And we didn't even talk about the Nets, so we'll have to have him on in a week or so. He does the NFL. He does college basketball. He does tennis. I mean, he yeah. doesn't, and he does uh, the Nets. And so. he has the Nets on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and uh, you know what he probably said to his agent? Are you kidding me? Joe fucking Buck? <laughs> Not Jack. Joe Buck is getting this kind of money from ESPN to do one game a week. Get out of here. He's, I think he's just happy because the guy Burkhart is not Ian. So you would think Fox would have gone outside the family to get the number one slot filled. So I think Ian, look, he's loyal because he's been with CBS all these years. They gave him a shot when he was really young. And yeah. they've rode him out this whole time where I think he's had chances to go other places. We've we've read reports. And I think he's not letting him go. Yeah, is staying. I think they want him, but I also think he is. Because he never talks about it. He sort of, he's he really will talk about anything when we have him on. That's the only thing he won't talk about. And I think it's not because he's actually a jerk behind the scenes. I think it's the opposite. I think he's so humble and appreciative yeah, that yeah. he just takes the job and goes with it. So, because to me, Fox should have ran to hire him over. I don't know who the hell, Kevin Burkhart. Like, he, he took over Buck's spot. Like, that makes no sense. I don't get that at all. Well, I don't know. Whatever it is, he's going to be worth a lot of money. And oh, uh, yeah. Nance is here in footsteps. Uh, we tease him about it every time, but <laughs> uh, he knows it's true. It's true. And he can't say anything about it. I mean, obviously, he's not going to talk about a contemporary a guy who's been a number one guy on the network for years. But uh, it's only a matter of time before you mows him right down. All right, uh, Lumi, always a pleasure, my friend. Yes, Thanks, uh, people, for tuning in. Catch our uh, show, The Defoe Show. And uh, you can catch that just by Googling The D-E-F-O Show. And I think you guys will enjoy that and all of the other things that we do. So thanks so much for being a part of this on the Believe Network. And remember, no matter what you're doing in life, whether you're betting on the Masters Tournament, whether you're uh, Iron Eagle and closing in on Jim Nance, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're going fishing, people, you got to believe. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill in the Plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. 
Again, Land Lovers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Land Lovers for making you always feel right at home. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.